Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Uh, the unique thing about this is that we had an opportunity to go through this, you know, early on in the year and didn't get the result that we wanted, you know, coming off of that game. So we have a little bit of uh, experience, you know, in that in that area. So. This week is uh, extremely important for us. You know, these guys going to come. It's going to be a playoff game. You know, these guys are fighting for playoff implications as well. So we know we're going to get their best shot. Patrick Peterson, architect of the halftime speech heard around the world. Guys, we're going to hold them. We just need you to score five touchdowns (laughs) against the Colts. And they did. Only five. Only five touchdowns. That's all we need. All we need. If you want to get us a six, that's up to you. Um, five will win it. This is Reckless Speculation Thursday to all who celebrate here on Mackie and Judd. That means we bring in our friend from the five Eyewitness News sports team. His name is Darren Doogie Wolfson. You can find even more from him on the Scoop podcast feed. And Dukes, uh, let's start with Vikings. We'll get to some A-Rod, Mark Laurie updates and some twin stuff. But this Garrett, so Garrett Bradbury, tenuous back situation. And then he gets into a car accident. So he's missed a couple games. Um, hello, and what do you know about the Vikings center who's having a career season to this point? Yeah, I mean, he's been great, Phil. Good morning, gentlemen. Happy Reckless Speculation Thursday. He's yes. been great here in a contract year. Sometimes guys go one way in a contract year. It's just too much. Other guys are uber-motivated for that next contract. Garrett Bradbury should get paid relatively well by someone, maybe even these guys, they do like him come March. So the back was jacked up pretty good even before the car accident postgame on Saturday. So he was telling some people immediately after the Jets game, I know some offensive linemen went to a wild game. There was conversation that he was struggling to walk. Like it was hurting to walk. He's a pretty tough dude, though. I was at practice the Wednesday and Thursday before the Colts game. He was out there. Now, we only get to watch for about 20 minutes before they kick us out. So it's some stretching and some individual work. But he was snapping, wasn't grimacing in pain, but was snapping the ball to Cousins. But I knew at that point, okay, it's a situation worth monitoring. So then when I got to the stadium on Saturday morning, I wasn't necessarily shocked to hear that Austin Schlotman in starting center, Garrett Bradbury out. Now he has missed practice time this week. It certainly is trending toward him not playing against the Giants on Saturday. We'll get that official designation later today. As far as I know, Phil, 
This is not a season-ending type injury. It's a pain threshold thing. He's just been dealing with a lot of pain. Interesting stuff. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, Cam Dantzler uh, was replaced by by the Duke of Shelley, who has been absolutely, at least on Saturday, was fantastic. Uh, I, I saw that that uh, Donatel was asked about who could potentially start Dukes at that corner position for the Giants game. He, of course, because of competitive purposes, would not reveal that. But what do we know about Dantzler's uh, progression from being ill, from having a bad a- ankle, and how much has Shelley's play just purely possibly pulled him ahead of Dantzler on the depth chart? Well, the Vikings would love to use a healthy Cam Dantzler senior, but he's not healthy. Now, he's overcome the illness, Judd. It's that left ankle. Like, Judd, they rushed him back too soon. Maybe it fits the theme here of reckless speculation Thursday, but I'm just telling you, my intuition says, my spidey sense says, he should have never been on the field for that Lions game on December 11th. That even though... He kept saying in the locker room, yes, I plan on only missing the four games. Yes, they put me in IR, but I'm not missing more than four games. He gets back after missing those four for that December 11th game. But somebody should have been able to protect him from himself. Like, he should not have been out there. And I get it. No Evans, no Booth Jr. At least that week heading into the Lions game, there were still some question marks about Duke Shelley. But you're right. I mean, Duke since then has been phenomenal. I mean, the best PFF grade on defense from the Colts game. So, you know, I put it this way. I expect to see Duke Shelley against the Giants plenty. Shameless plug, if you go to my Twitter, D Wolfs and KSTP, our excellent photojournalist, Brian, captured some video of Dancer from practice on Wednesday. He is moving gingerly. Like, you watch him move. Brian had some wide shots. If you watch that video, it is clear as day that the left ankle just isn't all the way there. Now, maybe he can be back at some point, you know, whether it's the postseason. Heck, I'm not sure you want to play him week 18 in Chicago on that crap turf. Uh-oh. I mean, that's something I brought up with Judd on Tuesday, Phil, that the Vikings would love to find a way to, you know, secure that number two seed, have week 18 not matter so they can rest guys because yeah. Soldier Field's turf is horrible so the last thing you want to do is put Dantzler out there with a bad ankle or Irv Smith Jr. who is expected back not this week but at some point here like I don't know if you want to put those guys out there on that soldier field turf on January 8th that's interesting yeah I mean even this well the game against the Packers is likely to matter because you're you know you're you're still going to be almost no matter what I think you're going to be fighting mathematically for I don't think you can put San Francisco away, even if they lose a couple games, until at least you know back-to-back wins over uh, you know this weekend and then the Packers. So that is yeah. An I mean, the Niners reminder. You know, the Niners have the tiebreaker just based on conference record. So if the Niners and Vikings finish tied, yeah. the Niners are the two seed. The Vikings are the three seed. So when you think about the possibility of a second-round playoff game, the weekend of January twenty-first, do you want the Forty ers here or in Santa Clara? That's a very easy answer. I think you like your chances here against a rookie quarterback, even That's though a... the Niners defense is ungodly. But you want yeah. the 49ers here. And I get it. On the record, Phil, we know this. The Vikings always talk about one-week championship season. Mindset, just the Vikings. But there are people over there in Egan that are thinking beyond Saturday. 
right? And this is one of those scenarios that has been discussed. Hey, can we put ourselves in a position to secure the two seed by Sunday night, January 1st, so we can rest some guys January 8th, be in a position then to head into the playoffs fully healthy the weekend of January 14th. Yeah. So here's a question. Um, speaking of looking into the future, I think the the calls for Ed Donatel's head or some major change on defense definitely hit a high point before the Colts game. And Kevin O'Connell came out early in the week before the Colts game and said, you know, we've been, we're, we're digging in. We're going to fit. We're going to look to fix this. I'm not at this point going to make a major move, not going to fire him. And at this point, not going to take play calling away. Uh, I know the Vikings gave up 33 points as a team, but punt return, touchdown, pick six, some short field field goals. The defense itself actually did pretty well. Like it was one of the better performances as it should be, by the way, against that terrible offense with, with fossil Matt Ryan. Um, the defense only gave up like four and a half yards of play, which is a yard and a half lower than, than the average. I guess my question to you is, where do you sense we are at now with this this Ed Donatel tension that reached a peak point maybe a week, week and a half ago? Well, I mean, I think the tension is gone. I mean, when you allow only one touchdown on defense, Ed Donatel deserves all sorts of credit. You're looking at somebody who on Channel 5 here in the Twin Cities called for Ed Donatel's head on Sunday night, December 11th. Wow. I just said, hey. Wow, Declan Pettin, went on Channel 5 and called yeah, for his head. Declan went on Joe, Channel 5. I said, give, him, give Alec, me Donatel's head on a platter. Yeah. And I was like, Declan, no, don't do that, no. Hey, Declan, if you want to be on Channel 5, you can happily work tonight for me if you want. You Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. Trust me, I'll lay off the right target. Leave your domain, Dukes. They always well, yeah, well, I'll be at the Vikings game on, on Christmas Eve, so that's okay. I am. They always Christmas ask Day the night. Jewish guy to work they on do. Christmas. It's yeah, ridiculous. the Jewish guy has no problem working on the beauty is, thankfully, the NBA has games on ABC, so I can get in there late on Sunday for, for Christmas Day. But, yeah, I mean, you're looking at somebody who called for Donatel's head just because there was a logical candidate in-house. It's not like I thought, you know, hey, bring in some outsider. I mean, Mike Pettin is an accomplished defensive coordinator. He knows how to call a defense. I just thought it was logical you make that move since Pettin has his fingerprints on the defense anyway. And it wasn't just, you know, hey – his head, I was just thinking some sort of demotion. I wasn't like, hey, kick Ed out of the building. I just, I would like to see Pettin call the defense against the Colts, but Donatel deserves credit. Now, I can't help but wonder if Jonathan Taylor doesn't get hurt four or five plays in, do things go differently? But we saw schematic changes. They blitzed more than they've blitzed in any game. We saw the former gopher, Asezi Otamawu, in on a bunch of third downs. Now, that may have been personnel-based just because Patrick Jones was still a little bit ill. Now, he was at the stadium, but just wasn't in a position to play on Saturday. But Otamawu yep. played 14 snaps, did a pretty good job. But just, you know, the way they were blitzing, using different guys to blitz, you know, we saw some schematic changes. So Don Donatel certainly de deserves credit for that. So the tension, I, I don't want to say it's gone, Phil, uh, but it certainly has subsided. On that note, Dukes, um, so the Colts were a really good defensively get-well game, too. They, they, I think we're, if I'm not mistaken, going into that game, second to last in the league in scoring. Uh, so I think the blitzing went from going into the Detroit game, I want to say they were blitzing something like an average of 16%. Detroit, they blitzed like 30, and, and they so they actually tried, and it just flat-out didn't work. And then, to your point, against the Colts, it went up to 40%. 
how much do we think what we saw against the Colts was was a schematic game plan because clearly defensively it worked, and how much was a, a Kevin O'Connell perhaps infused mandate to change? Like I'm I'm very curious now for the Giants game uh, to see if a lot of the principles that were put in place for the Colts game stay there because you know the, the Giants aren't great but they're definitely a more difficult offensive foe. So like I guess my question is this. How much do we think a corner has potentially been turned here or how, how much is this just a wait and see? Because Ed does feel like the guy, like the type of guy who likes to go back to his principles when, when he can. And I don't know those principles are perhaps the most effective. I will bet you lunch at Park Tavern next week, Judd, oh. that the Vikings do not blitz as much as they blitzed against the Colts when good, talking about Saturday's game against the Giants. You're, just, you're not going to blitz the Giants 40% of right. the time it's just not going to happen so you know the answer ultimately somewhere in the middle there Judd but they're just they're not going to blitz Daniel Jones who is fully capable with his feet Saquon Barkley dangerous in the screen game just the overall passing game like you're not going to blitz 40 percent of the time so you know if you want to make that wager I'll happily make that wager lunch at Park Tavern next week the Vikings don't come close to blitzing 40% of the time. Yeah. Actually, uh, Daniel Jones, according to our friends at Pro Football Focus, he has a higher average yards per attempt. And this is this is common for some quarterbacks. They'll hunt down the field when they're blitzed. But he's he's better in a lot of categories when you blitz him versus when you don't. And uh, among quarterbacks who run the ball, he has the second highest run grade when blitzed behind only Josh Allen. So you do have to be careful. Because he can make you pay a little bit. He, he's Daniel Jones, but like, there can be some big plays that come out of it if you're um, if you're getting too aggressive. And I like the fact that you treat you're going to treat Judd to lunch at Park Tavern. That is the official sports bar of the sports dad himself, Judd Zolgad. Well, and the, here's the best part: it's close. I mean, it's right down the street in SLP here, so it, it's a simple drive in this cold uh, cold December that Doogie will treat me. And I can grab a beer. It's great. And I said, too, and I was sort of joking, but I'm not. Doogie, let's get a group. Because, like, we could get a whole group. So so you could pay your penance by buying a group lunch. And it's this simple. Parktavern.net is the place that we can find a, a ability to reserve an entire room if we want. Bowling. Uh, open 365 days per year. What more could, could Sports Dad want from his sports bar? Park Tavern open all year round and is a great place for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, a beer, whatever your group, parktavern.net is the place to go. For I'm thinking New Year's Eve, Judd. Oh, right? I mean, we got to find a way to entertain there, our there kids. So Bowling. we're all about Park Tavern. Last year, we tried to go to the Mall of America, but there was a shooting. Yeah. Right? So now, Park Tavern, we're like no, pulling no, into the parking no, ramp. No, no, Bloomington cops not- like, Get the heck out of here! So we ended yeah, up, you know what? We ended up going com- bowling in the West let's End. Let's not combine yeah, my read the plans for Park with what happened at the mall. That's not the same thing. Not at all. Correct. I don't want to talk That's about that. I want to talk Make about it nice and simple. Cosmic don't bowling worry. for the kids. We have nothing to worry about in St. Louis Park at Park Tavern. That's what no. I'm saying. But so, if you are New a business, Year's Eve. if you are a business that may need a guiding hand through some risk management, uh, you know, conversations. Federated's been around for over a hundred years. Uh, official partner of the Timberwolves. By the way, uh, there are a bunch, bunch of Minnesota sports fans riding the roller coaster with all of us over at Federated. But they've been around since 1904, based in Owatonna, helping businesses navigate the waters of business, which can sometimes be choppy, sometimes they're smooth uh, and rewarding, and Federated is here to help guide through all of it. Federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business 
to protect yours. All right. I'm just going to throw it back to Doogie here. You go. If you have more Vikings, go ahead. If you want to get into the A-Rod Laurie stuff, wherever you want to take us. Well, so Ole Udo, Vikings offensive lineman, his attorney reached out to a few reporters this morning. There was no need for me to put the statement on on Twitter. I figured I was joining you guys. I sent it into our newsroom. But anyway, charges dropped. So he was arrested in Miami that bye week. There were some allegations leveled against him, some charges, but those charges have been dropped. So Ole Udo, Vikings offensive lineman, has nothing to worry about. The attorney alluded to this possibility soon after the arrest, and now two months later, we have full clarity. If you would like to transition to the Wolves, we can certainly do that right now. Let's do it. Yeah. Are A-Rod and Lori going to come up with enough money to buy this thing? (laughs) You know what? You look at the Phoenix Suns sale price this week, Phil. Four billion dollars. That's bonkers. what a steal. Mark and Alex are getting the wolves at for what one point five one, one point five two. I mean, it's one and a half billion essentially. Poor Think God. about it. The Phoenix Suns going for more than double. And I get it. Maybe the infrastructure. Well, there's some issues behind the scenes in Phoenix, but the overall infrastructure maybe a little bit better in Phoenix. Maybe a slightly bigger market. But not know, really. It's newer like newer arena, just, they're, but not they're really. Just more, they're just more competent on the court, basically. The last old time. building, too, right? It is an old building, not, not as old build. as Target Center. That's what I'm saying. Well, it's it's an old building, just not as old as Target Center. So that's what I'm saying. The infrastructure oh. may be slightly better, but really two and a half times better? Heck no. Right. right? So if you think about Mark and Alex, what a steal. Getting the Wolves at the price they are getting the Wolves at. So let me offer some clarity on that situation been reported at different times that more money was due to Glenn by the end of this month, by December 31st, 2022, another 20%. That actually is not correct. So Mark and Alex need to submit a letter to Glenn actually before December 31st, a couple days before, but sometime in the next week. They will submit that letter. Like, why wouldn't you submit that letter? That letter will just say, hey, We plan on moving forward with the process. Phil, I'm just telling you, with the G League showcase going on right now in Vegas, many, many executives out there, the Wolves have Del Demps, John Wallace. They have Manny Rohan from from the front office. So every team has three, four, five front office members in Vegas right now. Lots of scuttlebutt, including about the Wolves' sale situation. Still people asking questions about Alex Rodriguez whether A-Rod truly will be able to come up with the money. Now, I have not heard those questions about Mark Laurie, so I suppose in the end, if Laurie needs to cover for his dear friend Alex, he can. So as far as I know, things are progressing for Mark, and Mark will become the majority owner around this time a year from now. But those questions are still out there about Alex Rodriguez. I've been saying it for how many months now? The questions just aren't going away. Interesting. So, okay, so it's it's uh, uh, potentially reckless speculation, scuttlebutt, which we absolutely love. But reckless speculation. If I was to, from your discussions, and you certainly are in touch with the situation, Darren, uh, on a scale of one to ten, where would you put the legitimacy of the fact that this is a problem? Well. It's a problem for A Rod, right? But I'm just saying, right? But I'm just saying, yeah. Well, I mean, Glenn is asking questions. I I can just tell you that, and those close to Glenn are are certainly asking the questions. It's just not, you know, 
some some agents, some media members, you know, a business reporter from Sportico. It, it goes beyond that, right? Yeah. We're chasing the trail, and you know, Glenn and those close to Glenn have have been wondering some stuff. So, you know, I wouldn't put it at a nine or a ten on the panic scale, but you know, it's certainly beyond a one or a two. But Lori's Lori's going to be involved. I've always the- been led to believe that Lori has a way. And I'm telling you, it is such a sweetheart deal. I mean, I wonder if Glenn is having any second thoughts looking at that Phoenix Sun sale price. But, you know, that's too far, you know, down the road to no. to fix. But just $4 billion. I mean, that was, no, that no, was no, no, eye-opening no. this week. But Mark, as far as I know, can proceed. I just wonder if in the end it's Mark Laurie majority owner, not Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez. Hold on a second here, though. Hold, wait, 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 wait. Reckless speculation Thursday must lend itself to what I am about to Reckless say. Reckless speculation. I'm my, all ears. My guess is, yeah, Phil's going to hate this. Doogie's going to run with it. My guess is the official documentation of the change says it's Mark and Alex. Um, you just brought up a great point. There is no way the Phoenix Suns, as an entity, in the same league are worth that much more. If the official document is basically like, I have agreed to sell the team to, to these two guys. And this team is now worth, I, I mean, what dude? Let's say Min- two and a half even. Yeah. Or three, let's say three, let's say a billion dollars less. Could Glenn bring the lawyers in and be like, hold on a second here. I agreed to sell this. The, the signing documents have an agreement with me and two parties. Now you're changing what the documentation is going to say. Uh, I'm just throwing it out there that what you're saying makes perfect sense, which is there is no way the Wolves are that much lower of of valuation. I wonder if this would, I mean, Glenn's got to have some folks in his ear, right? Being like, holy cow, holy shnikes, Glenn, $4 billion. Yeah, it might be a different word than shnikes, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just throwing it out there that that, that this could give him cause to be like, hold on, if you can't do the deal as stated, then you can't do the deal. It's an interesting hypothesis, Judd. You I mean, know, the legal, wheels are all spinning lawyers. in my head. All lawyers. Yeah, I mean, it's something that, you know, frankly, I have thought about. You know, I've also thought about the possibility of Glenn just saying, you know what? Why? Like, I'll wait, you know, if there's a way to get out of it. Right? I mean, Glenn, Glenn has told me on the record that he still plans on having his fingerprints all over this franchise. He's still going to be involved. He's still going to maintain those courtside seats. He still has the great relationship with Adam Silver, others in the league office in New York, right? Glenn isn't going to be just, you know, way, way, way in the background. That's just not going to be Glenn as long as he's still alive, right? But I think more likely is maybe something you just alluded to, Judd, that maybe it's the reworking of, of the documentation, maybe not necessarily chasing more money. I don't know if, you know... Hey, trust me, every billionaire has some shadiness. But in this instance, I don't know if Glenn would go that trying to chase another bill to one and a half billion dollars. Right. They agreed on a number. You know, I can just I'm telling you, I can see it proceeding with with Mark being, you know, square front and center, not, you know, Mark with Alex right next to him. What's interesting is, uh, so again, Phoenix is not, it's it's a comparable market size, right? Uh, the franchise has been way better. They've flirted with winning the championship, and the Timberwolves have made, like, they popped up once or twice in the last 15 years to go to the playoffs. Uh, so the difference is really st- just stability and on-court success. 
But the according to Forbes, this just, just came out two months ago, their latest uh, team valuations. The Suns are valued at $2.7 billion, so good for them for getting a $4 billion sale. The Wolves, a billion dollars less, 28th in the league at $1.67. Operating income, however, the exact same for both organizations, $87 million operating income. So think about that. Just basically just the brand and the perception of the Suns and where they're going not operating income and actual like the actual running of the business, the perception and the brand is worth a billion dollars more than the Timberwolves. So that they got nuts. they got some I work mean, to do. I imagine the local TV contracts are comparable. You know, there's WNBA teams in both markets. I mean, I'm just trying to figure out. You know, it is its brand, right? Because frankly, with with Sarver and some of this stuff, all these ESPN stories. Baxter Holmes. I mean, Phoenix behind the scenes is a dumpster fire. Yeah. Right. Everything that has taken place going back years, the racism, other things, sexism. Right. And so behind the scenes, the Suns are a wreck. Right. Not that the Wolves haven't had some wreck to them the last couple of years. Right. But right now, the Wolves seem more stable than Phoenix. But yeah, $4 billion. By the way, the guy, the Michigan businessman, that is buying the Suns, his name came up here for the Wolves. So I don't know how far those talks went, if they even got off the ground. But he's been interested in a while. He played basketball. His name is Matt. He played basketball for Tom Izzo at Michigan State. Diehard Spartans fan. Big-time businessman in the in the Detroit area. His name did come up for, for the Wolves, you know, before Mark and Alex sealed the deal. Interesting. Uh, Dukes, let's go uh, some rapid fire here, starting with twins in the wake of uh, we found out that uh, the Twins weren't even the second choice for Carlos Correa. He winds up with, with the Mets. So let's start with Twins here to empty the bag. Well, yeah, I mean, how about the fact that Carlos Correa is willing to move to third base right now? It was going to happen. His wife, his wife loves right it here. now? His wife loves it here. Loves Minnesota. Loves I think, the State Fair. I think these things can be true, Phil. That he did enjoy it here. His wife did enjoy it here. He also was was craving a bigger market, whether it was going to be San Francisco or New York, that he was never coming back here at 10, 285. And, you know, we can debate, were the Twins right or wrong to draw a line in the sand? The Twins were not going any higher than 10, 285. I'll even tell you, there was concern about even going to 10 years. In the end, they did it. Then what are they doing? Concern about going to 10 I'm okay not going to 10. I'm okay not going to 13. I'm okay not signing him in free agency. But why did they waste all of that attention and bandwidth on a total pipe dream? Like they that, weren't going to get they weren't going to get him. So so then they just not but we got Joey Gallo and we're ecstatic. Like that's, that's a fair comeback, right? I mean, they identified Xander Bogarts as plan B. Why not be more aggressive on Bogarts? Right. It doesn't sound like the Padres were in from the get go. The Padres came in pretty late at 11 years. Now, maybe they would have come in if the Twins had made Bogarts an eight or nine year off, or maybe the Padres still come in at 11 years. But why not pivot earlier than they did? That is fair criticism to me that they were too all in on Correa when we knew, Phil, we had said for how long? In the end, the Twins were never going to make him the richest money offer. Right. But. Yeah, I mean, I wonder, like, is he going to be celebrated? I mean, it's way in September. The Mets are here in September. 
but will he be celebrated by the fan base? Maybe at that point, the fan base will have completely tuned out if the Twins are, you know, 10 games back with three weeks to go. But yeah. be I wonder about show. the reception it won't be good. that Correa will get because there have to be some people upset saying, come on, Carlos, really? You're moving to third base. I know Francisco Lindor, your countryman, your, your good buddy, all that. You have a better chance to win immediately in New York, okay? We get that, but you told us you liked it here. Byron Buxton told us at the fashion show at Mall of America, you really wanted to be back here. That's one of your buddies, and all the Twins had to do was go get him. Well, 10-285 after things fell apart with the Giants. What what was wrong with that? Well, Why did you more, need 12 na- to me, it's, it's a naive front office. They're well, just, they just yeah. are. Like, but he's they're gonna- all- He's going to get booed here because he didn't see. Okay. I have no problem with him not bashing the town. Okay. That's smart. But the whole thing of, uh, I got to go get a juicy Lucy. And I love, he, he is a, he, he's a very polished con man. Oh, he's incredibly polished. Yeah. And, and, and look, I mean, we've seen this before. He's not, I'm not calling him a terrible guy. I don't know him well enough to do so, but he's a polished con man. And when you're literally talking about going to the state fair, like who else has come here and signed as a free agent and talked about the state fair? Just don't, don't come <laughs> on, fair. dude, come on. And then you convince the media, you know, you win the good guy award. Cause you talk, which is which you should do. So that's the thing is, I think he deserves to be booed because he think cause he thinks he's really smart. And it's like, dude, you're not that smart. Come on. Your wife. I mean, who talks about, you know, don't talk about your family. <laughs> Carlos Correa is not the villain here. He, no. he he came in. He played. He right, he, but he but he said things to become a, you know a, a well liked right, player. Man. But, but but it's a con man. It's a con man job. When you talk about going to the state fair and you talk about juicy Lucy's, you're a con artist. You think it's why you could. It's why you felt comfortable with the cheating thing. But here's the thing. But here's my he thing. Think okay, he did anything wrong? Here's my thing. Okay, he was the central figure. On one of the most controversial cheating baseball teams of all time, and now we're shocked that he's a con man. No, this is why I've been saying since March, you guys, this is a one-year gift that fell into your lap. Leverage it in the right way. He's a, of course he's a con man. Right. He cheated his way to a World Series. Exactly. But my problem with it is, is if if he'll be booed or not. Of course he will be. He deserves to be. He doesn't care. He deserves to be booed more for cheating his way to a World Series than yeah. for telling Minnesotans he likes Juicy Lucy's. For me, it's just like such, every, it's there's such been no, nothing new has been found out about Correa's personality since a year ago, and that's why. I, and to me, it's more of a front office thing. Like, what did you think was going to happen, guys? Well, we thought he was good. We thought no, <laughs> be a step ahead. That's where they deserve criticism, right? That they didn't pivot earlier. Okay, here's the series of events from Tuesday. So I'm over at Target Field hanging with Joey Gallo. You know, then afterwards have a conversation on the mic with Derek Falvey, held court for a while in the clubhouse. I leave the clubhouse at 1.30. At that point, the Twins were still wondering, you know, we're trying to gather information just like you guys are. We don't know exactly what is going on. All we knew at that point was, the Giants had postponed the news conference. Now, certainly there was scuttlebutt in the Twins Club. I'll say, okay, if you're postponing the news conference and the Giants are a very transparent organization and it was a one-sentence email, that, okay, it was definitely something medical. It was either insurance policy-related, because to get an insurance policy on, on a contract of 13 years, you know, 300 and whatever, 50 million, 
you know, like you can only do those in like five year increments at best, probably would be five to six million dollars a year. It's a very detailed process. You need to involve multiple insurance carriers. So we thought it was either insurance policy related or failed physical related. Like there was no sense that, you know, his agent couldn't get to San Francisco or Carlos couldn't get to San Francisco. Like he was there, his wife was there, all that stuff, right? Like it wasn't that. The twins knew that, right? Because they had to have some conversations with Scott on Joey Gallo just to firm up everything with Gallo as he underwent his physical and arrived in town on Monday night and was going to be introduced on Tuesday. So the twins knew that Scott had made it to San Fran, that Carlos had made it to San Francisco. But in the end, yeah, certainly some red flags on on the physical. Now the twins were comfortable giving them 10 years. Heck, the twins late Tuesday night would have done the 10 year deal still. Even with concern, they still would have done it. And the twins, in theory, even though certainly there are questions about the twins' medical staff going back years, the twins were comfortable giving him a 10 year contract. So what happened sometime later on on Tuesday in the four to five to six o'clock range, seven o'clock ish, somewhere in that ballpark, Scott reaches out to the twins, to Derek. And, you know, they have a quick conversation, but the twins still had questions. What exactly happened in San Francisco? What I'm still trying to nail down is Scott is notorious for pushing his free agents into January, right? Even into early February. Now he took some guys off the board early in 19. He's taken guys off the board this year. So it's not all the time, but he has taken guys into late January. Why the push to get Correa done so fast after things fell apart with San Francisco. Heck, Correa's in New York today for his physical. The Mets will introduce him here pretty darn quick. Maybe not later today, maybe tomorrow, but, you know, heck, he's there. Now, they could postpone the press conference until whenever, but he's there in New York today for the physical. So the Mets are moving this thing along. But, like, why did Scott, why was was he so inclined to get things done so fast on Tuesday? But one Twins official told me, Things just moved really fast with New York. Scott is no dummy. He went right to Steve Cohen. He knew he had Cohen in his back pocket. Yeah. Cohen was going to cut the check. Once Correa was on board with playing third base, because that's what some Twins people told me, that they thought in the end it was just them and the Giants. That Yeah, okay, the Mets came in late, but he was never going to New York because he wasn't, he wasn't in a position from a mindset standpoint to play third base. He wasn't ready to move to third base. So when did Carlos exactly embrace the idea of moving to third base? And why did Scott move things so fast on Tuesday? Those are still some questions I have. But mm. in the end, the Twins did not budge on their offer. Talks did not progress in any sort of, you know, sense or form on, on Tuesday. It was all Morse about did call him back, Scott right, with the Mets. Yes, he did. But okay. I'm saying, so like, like, I don't want to raise the one hopes more chance. of Twins fans thinking like they had a realistic chance on Tuesday late afternoon, early evening. The Twins did not have a chance to get Carlos on Tuesday night. Which means they did not have a chance to get Carlos ever, period. Yeah, well, sure, because they were never going to make. Now, if the Twins had made a 12-year, $315 million offer, I'd have been fascinated to see, okay, does Carlos come back here or does he go to New York? That would have been very fascinating to me because I still think, I think he craves the, the spotlight, the big city, the big market. Oh. Right. So like, I wonder, does he take the Mets 12, 3, 15 with a better chance to win immediately versus staying at shortstop, staying here 12, 3, 15. I would have loved to have seen that scenario, but the twins were not willing to do that. 
Great stuff, dudes. We got to run. Reckless speculation. Happy holidays to you. And, uh, yeah, if you want to farm off some of your TV stuff on Declan, yeah. you know, you can borrow him. You're welcome to. I would love that. to, Declan. So Declan yeah, reads anything shaver? that's on the prompter. Yeah. 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 Do you have a good uh, mother? No, yeah, you, you d- need a dudes, suit, Declan. No problem. I got suits. You. I got suits. Okay. And then even, uh, you know, I thought TV production was going to be my, my thing because that's what I went to college for. Uh, but I, I did some TV still at St. Cloud. I can read a prompter. And in fact, He's the only reason. Okay, you can read a prompter? Yeah. Okay, the, the only reason. Right. Not every word, but not like every the word. smaller word. I'm not spelling yeah, the prompter. Matter. I can read Especially the prompter. under video, who cares? Um, just say whatever under video. You just got to read the words on camera. The, like the one thing that really has driven me that that I'd like regret about not going to TV is like, I think I'd be the king of small talk banter after the prompter. Like oh, when we're just yeah. making the small talk between, cause like Chris I, Long, I, really good. I, I do it at home when I watch the news. As so, you're kind of stacking your papers yeah. and like, yep. uh, so, and that's, uh, and that's so yeah, sport. there we go. So, There's an sports, art form because you need to show that you care. Even if you really want to feign interest, Yeah, you got to be enthusiastic. You know, and you got to make sure that the anchors, yeah, are especially those to newsies, engage you in the by play. Yeah, so, yeah. They're, they're, See, if, yeah. I, if I was it's an a anchor, very finite amount of time, right? Like you've mm-hmm. only got like ten or fifteen seconds to have that by play. If I was an yeah. anchor, I'd probably say, <laughs> "No one cares, Doogie." Thanks. Yeah. Uh, all right, moving on to <laughs> you know what uh, I want traffic Dukes? here, Dukes. Christmas Eve, I want you to to get on, and instead of delivering the traditional sports, I want three, two or three of your hottest takes. Yes. Ooh. I don't want them right off the prompter. Straight into the in camera. In fact, you tell. I don't need you, a prompter. As yeah. you come back, exactly <laughs> right. You say, shut the prompter off. And then when they say, how did, what's going on in the world of sports? You say, on December 11th, I came on this station and said, Ed Donatel should be fired. And I still believe <laughs> that he is a fraud of a defensive coordinator. Kevin O'Connell, get your act together and do it now. Here are three people who I'll deserve the coal in their stockings. Oh, God, All that's right, a boys. good one, too. Uh, one other note, the Padres came in late on Christian Vasquez. The Twins held off San oh. Diego. How much fun would it be to be a fan of the Padres or the Mets? Those two teams want to spend money. Everybody else. What, it's I not fun being a fan of the too. Twins? Or you we just, just bailing beat them on, on the Vasquez. Twins? You just said this. We held them off. They take did? that. Take yeah. that. You take your Xander Bogarts. Hang yeah. the banner. And the Twins were willing to do a one-year of Brandon Drury, but Phil Nevins his guy, so Drury was never coming here. Yeah. Nothing else really percolating. They've had some conversations on re-signing Michael Fulmer, but they don't want to pay him what he's looking for right now. So maybe that's a January or early February type move if he's still out on the market. They're not in on Waka. They've made a phone call on Avaldi, but there's not many good free agents left. That's the Are they in on Warren Spahn? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's dead, but I heard you can get him cheap. <laughs> but, but, right, but he's under team control. All right. Happy holidays. Yeah. All right. There he is. Robin uh, Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> Troy Gloss. Speculation. Oh, my God. Inside information about your favorite Minnesota sports teams. And uh, this is always a safe zone on Thursdays to speculate about the future of Minnesota sports. Um, all right. Mackie and Judd on this reckless speculation Thursday. Let's actually just speculate speculation. 48 hours into the future. And it may be even further because the Vikings are going to have to do this. This weekend, and they're going to have to do it potentially in the playoffs if they want to move forward. How do you think they'll handle another emotional, draining, exciting, peak-of-the-mountain victory? And I would present to you guys, they've had a bunch of fourth-quarter comebacks. But in terms of, like, emotionally exhausting wins... Yep. I think there's three of them on there. They've won 11 games. I think three of them have been like, 
oh, man, ho-ho-ho type wins. Mm-hmm. I actually think the first one was week one because you come in, mm-hmm. you're playing yeah. your first game under a new coach, new Packers. front office, everything's new. It's the Green Bay Packers. They're favored to win the division. You've been preparing for this, and you blow the doors off that team, especially in the first half. And it was like you just poured an off-season of work. Here we go. Boom, we conquered it. Wow, we are legitimate. It's not just practice where we look good. We can throw the ball around. We can play some defense. Everything is new and fresh. Okay, i uh, got to go to Philadelphia the next week. I'm not saying that the loss to Philadelphia was only because you were emotionally you know, uh, exhausted, but it probably didn't help, and you get smashed at Philadelphia. Okay, and then two months later, you're winning some more games. Here we go. Now the real test comes. Buffalo. This is your biggest test. It's one of the two or three big Super Bowl contenders. You're down by 17 points. You're getting whipped. And you crawl your way back into that game. But then it looks like it's over after Kirk misses on the, the offensive line and Kirk fail on the you know the one-inch line. And Buffalo fumbles. Emo, oh, my God. The, the swings. What do they call it? Uh, instant uh, change? Sudden change? Sudden change. Right? Sudden change. You beat Buffalo. Holy crap. Overtime. Look at us. Kirko chains on the team playing all this stuff. And then there's a letdown against Dallas. Okay. <laughs> yes. And, the, you know, and again, you've had some other fourth quarter comeback, close games, but I, I think those two and then this game against the Colts were just another level of, holy cow, we had to really tap everything we had to win that game, and now we have to play again a week later. So do you agree with my characterization of their, their sort of peak emotional wins, and how do you think, because they've lost games right after the other two, how do they bounce back? Well, I think the Buffalo game and – the Colts game are perfect examples because you actually had to come back too. So like the Packers game, I agree with your premise, but you won. In, in fact, of your 11 wins, that's, that's the one that came the most comfortably uh, where with the Buffalo game, I mean, it was draining. Uh, the Colts game was incredible. I mean, you're down by who would have thought at the start of the year, if I had told you, okay, here's what the Vikings are going to do against Buffalo, but it's not going to be the most incredible comeback. You'd be like, what are you talking about? They're down by 17 points. Um, I, I think what makes this intriguing is because the Cowboys game was a debacle. I mean, it was 40 to three. You were never in that game. You got embarrassed. And I think this goes outside of O'Connell and O'Connell's team to a, overall issue of how you bounce back when when you just played what was just an absolutely tooth and nail draining game um and i I go back to the 2017 divisional game against the saints yeah you're up in that game you fall behind the miracle and i mean the next week it was just clear that they were just like that was it they were done um and so i think that this game on sun or on saturday while the Colts aren't a great team, they're a bad team, I think it's going to serve a very interesting purpose against the Giants to see what they learned from the Buffalo to Dallas game. Now, Dallas is a much tougher foe, I think, and so so that was a greater test in terms of opponent. But I think just from your own standpoint, your internalization of what happened, and I think this is the toughest thing because football is such an emotionally draining experience. Like you, you play one game per week, it's not like, okay, we got to get back. It's literally like you put everything into that game. And so what I think we're going to see on Saturday is what was learned. So, like, what did you learn in the transition from Buffalo and, and 
uh, to Dallas, and how can you how can you take that? And yes, the Colts game was phenomenal, and you've been asked about it all week again. How do you back pocket that game though? And because I do think that if you're talking about a championship team, and I have no idea if this is, but if you're talking about a potential championship playoff run team, the emotional nature of what we saw last Saturday and the emotional yes. nature of what we saw against Buffalo is very much a playoff thing. Oh my God. Like look that's a playoff look, scenario. Look at the Rams last year. We, we've talked about the comparisons, obviously, because Kevin O'Connell was there. And uh, the so the Rams in the playoffs, they they did blow the doors off Arizona in the first round, so they had that going for them, which is nice. Uh, but then they play that grinded-out game against Tampa where they yeah. had a lead, right? And then Tom Brady, didn't they have like a well, – let me pull that game. It was like up. a three-touchdown. Like huge lead. Yeah, two or three possession lead late, and then Brady 20, Brady. Yes, 27-3 to three <laughs> with three minutes to go in the third quarter, and they blow the lead – Brady ties it with 40 seconds left, and then the Rams orchestrate with with 42 seconds left. The Rams orchestrate a game winning field goal drive to to clinch it. So just this like roller coaster swing game, and then guess who's coming up next? The San Francisco 49ers in the NFC Championship game, and um, they fell behind in that game too. They were down 17 to seven in the third quarter. Had to grind their way back, and then you get the two weeks off before the Super Bowl, so that is nice. But um, yeah, you don't. I'm sorry, Minneapolis Miracle. You know, largely, you know, obviously different coaches, some of the same players, but you don't just get to like win a huge game in December right. or January and then exhale for a month. Exactly. You play the next week, and this has been a problem for the Vikings over multiple iterations, where they'll have this huge win or something. You know, Minneapolis Miracle, the other win against the Saints with, you know, the Kirk throw to Adam Thielen. Oh, my God, we went and daggered the Saints at the Superdome. Kyle Rudolph catches this pass. Oh, we got the Niners in in Santa Clara. (laughs) Holy, what? There's another game? (laughs) Oh, my God. So how do you, and I don't know the answer. I mean, hell, we're just sitting here. We're just idiots on microphones. These guys are playing professional football. It's probably more of an Alex Boone topic for trenches next week, but... uh, it's it's a thing that they need to figure out for sure. I, th- I think coaching plays a role for sure, but I also think that the most important thing, and this speaks to your, not just the character of your room, but the mental toughness too, right? The mental toughness of, I mean, here's the weird thing. In an ideal world, the Bills game and Colts game just get sort of forgotten. Because I feel like football is a sport where you dwell. And, and it's partially because yeah. of us, because we're always asking, hey, the Colts come back. Let's talk about it again. And they're like, let's try and move forward, right? And and we're like, well, quit with the cliches. Let's talk about that game. Uh, but, I mean, I do think that that the most important thing, and this, this is what the great teams do, is they've got a locker room filled with guys who have the ability to say, we have to forget that game. Like, you can't um, – and, and I think the intriguing thing about that, my point is, I think it get, I think it's a multitude of things, not just the greatness of the comeback, but you also got down by 33. So, like, you have to address that, but you also have to forget that. Like, that game on Saturday, and I'm sure that they went through the flaws, but, you know, that's going to, like, 
the fact that you are down by 33 bleeping points to the Colts is going to be it, in, it's in a your huge psyche. thing. Yes, it needs so, to be the thing that they focus on all week. But then purge it to move on. Like that. Like this is where I think it's a difficult. I think it's very simple to say what what's the problem here. Yeah. I think when you get into the psyche of the football team, though, it's a little bit more in depth. But ultimately, if you are going to win a championship, you have to be mentally strong enough to to reach those check marks and then move past them. If I'm Kevin O'Connell, I'm thinking, I'm definitely thinking, wow, we are able to win in almost any situation, which is a great trait. If we're because, like we just pointed out with the Rams, there's going to be games in the playoffs where you're just down seventeen three on the road, and or at home, whatever. And you got to make it happen. And this team has shown they can make it happen, which is a quality that a lot of teams don't have. So they have that. But this team also has this amazing ability to just disappear for two quarters and get smoked and be down three touchdowns or four or five touchdowns in this case. And if I'm Kevin O'Connell, I'm thinking more about that side of it and how to fix it this week. I'm not dwelling on it or, you know, but I'm looking, I'm spending the week looking for solutions more than I'm looking for how do we keep riding this wave of second-half comebacks. So now the good news on the other side, I'm not saying that this is like a pushover game by any means. This is going to be a tough game. But the Giants have been playing a lot worse over the last month, month and a half than they were when they started 6-1. and one. They've had a hard time getting, they're averaging around like 20 points a game offensively, a little less than that actually since uh, since week 7. So they're, they're struggling. They've come nowhere near scoring 30 points in a game. So um, it's just hard for them to score a bunch of points. They have one win since November 13th, and it's over the Commanders last week. Um, and they have a tie also against the Commanders from December 4th. But they they play on a short week as well, so they only get the six days of preparation, back-to-back road games. So there's some things in your favor here. You get the extra two days to prepare because you played on – the 16th, right? Am I right on this? So they have the Vikings played on Saturday and the yep. Giants commanders was the Monday night game. And right? they took and the Packers they, they gave, Sunday. and they gave the players Sunday, Monday off. Yeah. So many snaps. Okay. Which is smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have no problem with that. So very, very interesting. Um, we're going to be doing uh, our feedback Friday, more Vikings talk on purple daily today. We're doing it on a Thursday because the schedule's weird this week with a Saturday game. So we'll dive more into some of this on Purple Daily. Before we get to old tweets exposed, a shout-out to our friends at Livia, helping a lot of Purple Daily and Mackie and Judd listeners lose weight. You don't have to wait till January 1st to start no, you don't. changing your life. Build some momentum in the 10 days leading up. Exactly right. And and if you do uh, choose to go in, in that path, guess what? You, get, you save right now 50%. 50%. So we're talking about a program that helped me uh, shed 40 pounds. And here's the most important thing. Livia Weight Control Centers. It's not a diet. It helps you keep that weight off. And that is the absolute key thing. So get started on your New Year's goals today. And again, save 50%, 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A, Livia.com. If, if you're not in state, doesn't matter one bit. Virtual visits are an option. And in fact, you, you can basically do the program uh, virtually and they will send you the food. It's not a ton of stuff but it's stuff that's going to get you on the right track. Livia, L-I-V-E-A.com. Start dropping that weight now. And you know what? Do it. Saving 50%. PD uh, PD folks, as uh, Phil just said, have found that Livia works. 
I uh, I messed it up, by the way. The Commanders-Giants did play on Sunday night. The Packers-Rams were the Monday night game. So you get one extra day to prepare versus the Giants who had to play on that. Um, so it's really a day and a half extra because they played that primetime game. It's who an advantage. Who knows what they're installing? No. They're installing uh, spiralite candles in their locker room oh, to maintain a calm uh, head during these tough December games. They smell fantastic. They are great. They they burn, as you, you can see, a spirally right there. And then there's a wick at the end. And right now you're saying, Judd, what is that particular candle? Because that looks like a great one. In fact, that looks like something that a Vikings fan would love. And I'm going to tell you right now, it is because it is Judd's Purple Positivity candle. Is it a coincidence that Spiralite began to manufacture that candle this season? And this team has 11 wins, which I think they will add on to. No, it's not. And if you don't have one, a Judd's Purple Positivity Candle and the rest of the candles from Spiralite available. There are deals now, spiralightcandles.com, spiralightcandles.com. I'm going to tell you right now, they are a staple in this household because Dawn thinks they're great. Your wife will too. And you know what? It's good luck if you're a Vikings fan. All right, boys. It's time to embarrass ourselves. Once again, it's old tweets exposed here. Declan always goes back into the archives and finds embarrassing, incriminating things that we may have tweeted. So sometimes in Old Tweets Exposed, I still like to revisit conversations. And in fact, this edition of Old Tweets Exposed could still be used like in the next, I don't know, six to eight months. Again, we could we could potentially go down this path. We talked to Doogie about Joey Gallo and he reminded me of a conversation we had four months ago between uh, old Macadac right. and Dex Tweets going after it. He has a 995 OPS since joining the Dodgers, and the Dodgers are 8-1 and one since acquiring him. Meanwhile, the Twins cannot score a run. So, you know, if only someone on this show would have told everyone, uh-huh. Joey Gallo getting out of New York is going to be a great buy-low candidate, but you know, it's fine. Don't listen to him. Don't listen to little old Macadac. Don't worry about me. <laughs> I don't think I'll the... I'll just be uh, sitting over here with my little baseball stats. Uh, yep. the, the right field spot <laughs> and the sixth spot in the order is preventing the Twins from blowing games late. And Emilio Pagan serving up cookies in the middle of the Wait, field. you don't... I, the the I, Twins can't score a run. You don't, you don't think Joey Gallo's bat over the last week would have been helpful compared to Max Kepler's 0 for 27 coming off the injured list? I don't think it makes much of a difference. They're, they're in the same spot where they are. <laughs> what? what, what, what? Wow. That make much of a what difference. Is, what, is, what, is Joey, what is Joey Gallo going to do? What, Hit bombs and doubles and walk. Get he's on playing base. for the best team in baseball at the Dodgers. He hit a bomb off a position player. So one bomb off a real pitcher since going there. I, Joey Gallo wouldn't do anything for this right now. We'd still be having the same conversation about them blowing leads, them losing the central. This is going to be a catastrophic event if they don't make the playoffs. Joey Gallo's not going to change any of that. Wow. Not going to do anything. Just doubling down. <laughs> I think I think in the end so the first month of Gallo with the Dodgers he was red hot by his standards he yeah. hit a handful of home runs he was a part-time player but at the end of his run with the Dodgers he was pretty much just struggling Joey Gallo so I stand by in that moment that anyone other than 0 for 27 Max Kepler and a red hot Joey Gallo would have helped but in the end Declan was right he struggled he struggled with the Dodgers. Hmm. And again, I could be wrong here. Like, what if Gallo is back to MVP form from like three years ago in the first three months of, of the twin season? Like, I can come back and expose this. MVP form is a little strong. A little aggressive. I'm just saying. My, for my guy. Uh, I don't think he's ever received an MVP vote, but maybe that's a goal for this year. Can he get a, can he get a vote? Well, I will say, you know, Noah might have been the first Joey Gallo fan 
was Judd Zolgat at the Futures game at Target Field oh. in 2014. <laughs> Eight years ago. Nine, almost nine years ago. Phil, did, did this hit the truck that was in right field, or did it break a window in that new truck that was in right field? Uh, it, I'm trying to remember. I, I do remember this. Yeah, At the press table. He absolutely, yeah, line. He it was. He smoked one onto the plaza. And there was that they were like giving away a truck. I don't even truck. know what they were doing, but yeah. yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah. The tweet here from Judd Joey Gallo just hit a home run to right field at Target Field that would have made Josh Hamilton blush. Josh what Hamilton a blast! Effort. What a blast! <laughs> it was a blast. His first two years when he came in, well, he actually was kind of up and down for a couple of years with Texas, but then his first full year and then his second full year, that guy hit 81 combined home runs in his first two years. He either struck out, hit a home run, drew a walk, or maybe like a ball rolled through for a single once a week. He was, he was one of it was him, Chris Davis. You had these sort of three true outcome hitters, where it's if the the pie chart of outcomes is strikeout, walk, home run, and then the rest is sort of small. That 2014 futures game featured Noah Syndergaard, Mookie Betts, Joey Gallo, Corey Seager, Josh Bell, Uh, Hunter Renfro. Um, Wow. Buxton playing that or Buxton was mm, I don't believe he oh wait no there's there's two teams yeah so uh Jose Barrios was there yeah okay. I remember that Javi Baez is there Carlos Cor- no Carlos Correa what am I looking at yeah Carlos Correa was there because he didn't debut until 2015 uh, so yeah 12 draft pick yeah Look he loved that. it I he I, loved I, it I heard he it. did that's when he I, first fell in love I with Minnesota actually this is unbelievable this is great. Lindor. His, I need to come back here for a minute and said, then leverage it against big markets someday. It's great. It's great to be playing in this game. And Korea said, no, no, I just envision a day, me and my 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 wife, who I don't We're even looking know for yet, houses actually. That yeah. we are looking to live right around here. <laughs> Anybody ha- has anyone got a good juicy Lucy lately? And uh Kenny's Vargas, who represented the twins at the future Yes, That's right. God. Whatever happened to that guy? Is he still I think he was in um he was in the, Mex- the Mexican uh, League, tearing up the, the ball not too long ago, like within the last yeah, year Patrick or two. Yeah, Patrick Royce found him. He said he was playing for a team that played some games in Mexico and some games in, like, Texas. We were we, we were so scarred by David Ortiz that basically anyone that sort of even looked like David Ortiz, <laughs> or, oh, he's, his stance looks a little like, like Ortiz. Yeah, Give Arcia, him a contract. Oswaldo. Yeah. Okay, Vargas. wow. So he is he's 31, Kenny Vargas. He played in a Mexican independent league, Dos Laredos, and hit 320 with 17 homers in 85 games. He played in uh, the Venezuelan Winter League and then the Mexican Winter League. Wow. And he hit 315 across all those leagues with like 50 extra base hits in 128 games. So he's mm-hmm. mashing in Twins the Mexican Pro League. Twins made a huge mistake. <laughs> I don't know about that. Another one that got away. But he's making money playing baseball, which is good for him. Good for him. Okay. Any other uh, old uh, no. things to be exposed to? That, that is it. Okay. That is it. All right. Joey Gallo. Let's see some taters. So, I'm so <laughs> see some bombs. I'm so excited. And I'm sure it'll be a great, a great quote, too. That's the most important thing. He is. The, the twins love themselves. They always have to have someone that strikes out all the time and hits bombs. And, uh. You now people are like, well, why do you hate Miguel Sano, but you love Joey Gallo? I don't love Joey Gallo, but I think Joey Gallo has had, he's like fulfilled. He plays well, 150 games once in a while, and he can play some defense and whatnot. Let's so, wait till, till you w- watch him play a full year here I'll get and mad see at him. how you yeah. feel about Joey Gallo in September. I'll get mad at him for sure.
Yeah, sounds right. right. You're rationally mad, just melting down on the twins. <laughs> oh man, mostly to you guys because when we do it, when we do it on our actual show, people are like, eh, I don't really yeah, care anymore. Yeah. Unfortunately. All right, that's a wrap on Mackie and Judd as we uh, creep our way toward Vikings Giants and the holiday weekend. Purple Daily, you can find uh, Trenches with Boone. He was on He was on one last night when we were recording this, just ripping the crap out of Jeff Saturday for being incompetent. And He's right. He did an I told you. He, he hated it when it happened, and he was like, maybe if you wouldn't just hire randos off the street. So if you want to see Boone just ranting and breaking down the key plays from the greatest comeback in NFL history, Purple Daily YouTube channel, and podcast feed. We'll see you guys later.